0: There's plenty of options out there if you like your rank and flank mass fantasy battle games. A lot of people still just play their favourite edition of Warhammer. Then there's uh, games like Kings of War, Mayhem and Oathmark. On this episode though, we'll find out a wee bit more about another choice that's available to you, and that's in the form of a game called Warpack. I'm joined by creator Joe Prince of Prince of Darkness Games, and I kicked off the chat by asking him a wee bit about the first time he played a game of Warhammer Fantasy Battles,
1: first time I ever played like a, a proper game of Warhammer Fantasy Battle was in the the old Games Workshop in York, because I'd I'd got into it probably how most people got into it like through Hero Quest, so so I'd come like remember when it was like 1988 or 1989 when Hero Quest was advertised on TV, that was like the most amazing thing that you'd ever seen. That was Blossom. an advert, eh? That, yeah. that HeroQuest advert,
0: <laughs> yeah, that amazing. Lot, yeah. but probably on YouTube, isn't it? I'll have to look yeah, for it. Yeah,
1: it must be, yeah. That was on awesome because yeah, that was on like primetime kids' TV, and so if someone who was kind of into fantasy stuff anyway, it was just like, that was the must-have game. So I had that, and then because it was made by Games Workshop in conjunctions with Warrington's, then it led you to... Uh, um finding more of the citadel miniatures range and stuff and then i'd from that i'd gone into advanced hero quest um because they had that like at our game shop and from that i'd started collecting the Skaven because they were like the enemies in advanced hero quest so i started building up like a small Skaven collection and then for my, my birthday when i can't have old i must have been maybe 13 or 12, 12 or 13 or something or 14 went to a uh, to york and then um yeah it was their, their gaming night and like uh one of the, the guys upstairs just kind of said, oh, what models have you got? And then helped me build like a little army and then play out this quick game. And that was, um, that would have been using what what we kind of call third edition now, like the Warhammer with the Warhammer armies, but it was a, a very different game from uh, later editions.
0: Mm so third third, I always get these mixed up was third the high elves and the goblins is that right
1: no that was fourth that was fourth edition when they went fourth edition was like the first time they had the the actual box set third edition it it kind of like the first three editions kind of meld into each other and it was when the the fantasy role play game wasn't really separated from the war game so they both Mm. like had the same base book but then there was like the armies the the Warhammer armies book had come was what we we were using uh, and that just had like lists of all the different armies you could like like, every army book in, in one. That was really cool. I think my mate still got a copy of that somewhere. But it had everything. It had, like, your slan and pygmy armies and things and hobgoblin armors and stuff and, like, uh, rules for cafe armies and things like that alongside all the, the main ones, like the elves and orcs and the dwarves and empire and what have you. So...
0: So with the with the Games Workshop stuff, were you always inclined to the fantasy stuff? Did you ever do a bit of forty k, a bit of Space Marine, anything like that?
1: Always um, more towards the fantasy. I did play. Um, I've, I've always liked Space Hulk. Like that was like the, the game that I had as well. I had like the. I, was, I had the first edition of that, or the second edition. I think it was the first edition I had. Like the one that had Gene Steeler and Deathwing as the expansions. I had that. I played that, but I, I didn't get into forty k as much um like some of my mates who were playing it they were, were into 40k a lot more but i um like in the rogue trader era i just kind of dabbled with it never really got into it and then the same was like the, the, the uh, what we called the golden eagle edition and then the third edition i went when tau came out then i, I started getting into it a bit more and actually played 40k for a while then that was kind of uh like tower my army in, in, a, in a way like a lot of my mates already had the other armies claimed i mean like everyone had marines but everyone had like the other armies claimed like it was only alan had elder so he couldn't get elder or something or ian would have the imperial guard so i don't get you <laughs> don't get the guard so uh yeah i played it quite a lot um third edition in the, the times of rhino rush and then after that um not played 40k so much but, but fantasy's kind of always been there on and off so
0: what do you were you playing Warhammer Fantasy actively when they destroyed the thing And what was it, 2016,
1: 15? That- <laughs> yeah, I think it's was 2015, six, the end times. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I was, that was, uh, yeah, a big blow. And it was It was the same as double edged Sword because it was really like the end times stuff when they came out with outline. Uh, they came out with all the new new rules and new models and stuff and new fluff and stuff that was really cool because it's like oh warhammer's finally being supported <laughs> it's got some really nice new models that we can add in and these new lists and alternate ways of doing it all the elves can fight together and then and they just blew up the world <laughs> so.
0: well I, I, before i go on to that actually i was going to ask about aesthetics and stuff but i, I do um because our, our mutual friend colin gray um you did the Dyson with Design podcast. Oh yes, we did. Yeah. When I was I was listening to back to them and an episode that was like just about round this time, um you made a a reasonable prediction that that would happen. I don't know how, how available that information was at the time, but I remember you uh-huh. talking about the the, the rumors that It might have been turning into like a skirmish game or stuff, and it kind of did, didn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. They went with the the round bases and yeah, moving away from blocks of units in formation.
0: Were you devastated about that, or were you excited by it? Or
1: I was, I was disappointed. I was, yeah. Wouldn't I wasn't fully burning my army devastated torching in the miniatures because <laughs> that it? happened I like, it? yeah that happened yeah it was yeah it was uh, it was disappointing it was kind of end of an era because like for the last few years we'd always made a, an effort of trying to go like once or twice a year to Nottingham to play in like the Battle Brothers tournament or the Warhammer Open tournament or something and I was kind of like well we're, n- we're not going to do this anymore that's not going to happen we're not going to travel you know <laughs> the pain in the ass journey to, to Nottingham and back from you know from Scotland to play Age of Sigmar it's just it just um yeah and when i just think my first came out, it was such a such a mess as well and uh you know my knee-jerk reaction was to not want to have anything to do with it and so I, I you know i didn't bother with it and didn't play it for a long time and for a long time it was from what i've read it was pretty much unplayable in that there was no structures as to how to actually build an army or get a game it was just put whatever models you want on the table and then try and uh you know some dice model through the age of sigma rules but uh, yeah.
0: what did you think playing through warhammer from when you started to when it was when it was killed if you like what did you think of the way the aesthetic went because it went very grim dark it went um you know that the, the kind of humor yeah. and that um was dissipated a lot wasn't it so it was a very dark um sort of game when it finished
1: Mm, well, from when i started playing it it started off grimdark because i kind of someone on the episode like said oh they, they turned it grimdark in um a sixth edition but no it had always been like the whole when warhammer World was created it was supposed to be like a grimdark fantasy version as opposed to like dungeons and dragons and then mm. they kind of went back to that aesthetic i think in sixth sixth edition um but yeah the early stuff with like the slaves to darkness and you know when you had slam having lobotomized human slaves and things <laughs> and like the weird stuff that you could get on the chaos rewards table and stuff it was it was pretty grimdark and and, and and weird uh, from the from the get-go but uh,
0: I guess I just I just sort of think because my my like entry point um it was the period of red everywhere and you know the the Kev Adams goblins and stuff Oh and yeah yeah everything everything just looked loads of fun <laughs> so um and when i looked at some of the the, the later stuff um, i mean it still looked great it was just there was a darker feel to it um a bit more serious i think it, it's it kind of looks
1: yeah i know what you mean yeah like it was kind of like the fourth edition fifth edition where it was more they did a lot of, of work on the the goblins and the night goblins and squigs and things i think putting like that was quite a lot of the the humor and cartooniness came out there i think um but then yeah later on they did kind of want to swing back to swing back to the the grim dark uh fantasy of like the you know the poverty of bretonian peasants and things like how uh, Awful it was in that feudal society to get back to that um, balance with like the kind of wackiness of like the goblins and stuff. I guess.
0: So when uh, when the old world gets blown up, there's a vacuum yeah. for a mass uh, fantasy battle rank and flank game. We obviously we got Kings of War. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what year Kings of War came about. Um, yeah, was, had... uh, I
1: think that was that was kind of. I remember Kings of War was like one of the things that kind of spurred me on to start going with, with Warpack and that was it was it was before the um before the end of the old world because had brought it out uh, to kind of fill gaps in the Games Workshop's range for Warhammer I think for a lot of the plastics and right. stuff like they, when they first put them out yeah like the elves and their undead and stuff yeah because it was they were in were both running for for a while for a couple of years I think anyway
0: Alright, ah, I didn't so. I didn't know that they, they coexisted for a while. Um latterly we've had Oathmark as well. I had Joe McCulloch on the podcast um last episode. So Oathmark, you can play the big battles with that rule set as well. Another one I've come across, um Mayhem. I don't know if you've heard the Brent Spivey. He wrote a game called Rogue Planet. I've, um, yeah,
1: is, that rings a bell. I don't, I've not heard about Mayhem.
0: Oh. I think Mayhem, I think it's designed to be smaller scale than 28 mil. I think it's potentially six to 10 mil. I think the idea is it's very, very mass battle. Like it's right. a big, big, huge epic battle. Um, I need to have a closer look at it. Um, So and then you mentioned the ninth ninth age as well. So yeah, um, I I don't know a lot about that. So is that just um, Warhammer fans that kind of kept it going, or that is that right? (sighs)
1: um pretty much or at least that's how it started like after yeah because eighth edition was the last edition of warhammer and then the, the old world blew up and then yeah so so some of the fans who really liked the warhammer system yeah created their own ninth age and then i think it was quite linked to like the um what's it, the etc tournament scene like it's, it's quite uh um it's quite tournament focused now, ninth age, it seems to be, and stuff because it, although it's in the second edition now, so I don't know if it's really tenth age. Um, and I've, I played a bit of ninth age, I played went to a couple of, of tournaments, and uh, like the, the first edition I thought was okay. It, it was very, it is very much like kind of trying to keep Warhammer and keep all the complexities and keep lots of the similarities lots of the nostalgia of, of Warhammer, um, but it but trying to. Make it more balanced in a way, uh, so it, it loses a lot of the the wackiness and, and the character. There's like this, this: some of the the um, you know weirder army builds that you could do in Warhammer just, you know, just don't exist in Ninth Age at all. They're just they're not. That's not, not the direction they've taken with it. So,
0: yeah, I need to give a shout out as well, Nathan Stone, another guest on the show, because those guys run the Warhammer Orchard, which I think is kind of the same idea that they just that's a community that um use i think it's the favorite aspect to all the different editions and they've just kind of created their own one and they embellish it a wee bit so i suppose there'll be a lot of that that goes on um yeah
1: there's a lot and there's the like the whole old hammer uh scene as well of people i think that's people pretty much using like a version of like second edition third edition Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. slightly tweaked yeah Going back to that old school,
0: and that brings us brings us nicely to War Pack, which is a game that, that you created yourself, Joe. So, um, how yeah. long how long has this been in the works? Uh, and I mean, you sent me you sent me a. a Polished up rule set there, but yes, you know, have yes, you been working on this a long, time, or... a long
1: time? It has been a long time. It's been a labour of love of, of a of a long time. Like I say, like kind of think when the first time I played Kings of War was kind of what got, what got me going and thinking, oh, I could you know go back to that that system that I would tinkered with a bit and going, no, there's something here I can um, build from. Um, but now to finally get like a rule set that I'm kind of happy uh, sharing and happy for people to play test and, that, and that's more streamlined than the older versions and just much easier to get into yeah I'm pleased with it uh, but I guess I guess I must have been about 10 years or so I've been actually working on it on and off <laughs> so
0: I had a wee a wee flick through I've not yeah. properly dived into it but I had a flick through of the the rules that you sent me you sent me that nice pdf uh, which I printed out so the thing that jumps out to me straight away that i need to ask you about no dice i can't see anything about dice in there is that no right?
1: dice that's right yes yeah. it's uh yeah a diceless game it's all um done with with cards instead you, um the deck of playing cards that you use that's, that's the randomizers that you then assign to your units so each unit has its effectiveness value um based on the card for the turn um yeah i did have like a modified version where i was using using dice um each using 2d6 but uh, that, that wasn't it didn't have the, the same um, uh, strategic element of because that's, that's part of the strategy of the war pack of like assigning your action cards um, and instead of rolling the dice when you carry, when your unit makes the action you get kind of all your randomize at the start of the turn and have to decide where to assign them so it helps kind of Mitigate against some of that bad luck because you can try and you know sink some low cards on units that you think won't be involved in anything crucial. Um,
0: so what uh, what what do we need to play Warpack Then we've got a couple of armies and those. You, you talk in the book that's twenty eight mil, but it doesn't necessarily need to be, does it? I mean, we could sort of adapt no,
1: it to... it, no, it doesn't have to be. That's kind of why I've, I've written the ranges in like as as abstract um, instead of being linked to like inches or centimeters specifically. Everything's done in like an abstract unit of range so you could scale it, it up to like really big models or scale it down to like 10 mil or something quite easily um but that said i've I pretty much played at 28 mil you know it's with all the old warhammer um favorites get thrown into the mix
0: so, so t- talk us through a typical turn on it then like how, how might that work
1: yeah so the f- the turn's kind of broken down into like four um main phases and the first phase is getting your your command cards so this is like assuming like we're you know we're partly through the game we've already deployed and the units are on, on the field um and each player gets dealt first a number of, of command cards equal to the number of units they've got in their army and then these are um you can use like a, a standard um deck of playing cards so they range you know scores range from like an ace up to um a, a king or the, to kind of keep the uh, the numbers from skewing I'm, i count kings and queens as sevens and jacks as sixes so like a, a tens your, your top card um and the four suits correspond to like different types of action um like so um, you know melee attack or shooting or magic or defense and if you've got the right suit to the right action then the value doubles it acts as a trump so and an ace a trump ace will count as an 11 doubles like giving you a 22 so that's like the best card you can get for that particular action um and then once you've so you get dealt your hand of, of cards and then you assign them secretly to your units on on the field so you know which units have got which cards how effective they're going to be that turn but your opponent doesn't until that unit um reveals its card by making an attack or has to reveal it um, to defend itself by coming under attack um so and because of the way, the way the Trumps suits work you can have like a you know it could be a hard choice as to whether you want to put a good defensive card on a unit or whether you like you really need them to get stuck in even if it means they're gonna um be likely to take damage uh back
0: do we do we if i'm playing you I have a complete deck of cards and you have a complete deck of cards uh no
1: it's a shared it's a shared deck we just use one deck yeah. um mm-hmm. it's a shared deck and part of of the um uh, timing of the game is when the deck runs out, that's when the, the end game triggers and stuff. So um, mm. you don't have to worry about tracking which turn number you're on. You just uh, you know, look at the deck of cards as to like how you know, how much longer is left in the game, which means, mm-hmm. um, and obviously the more units you got, the quicker you'll, you'll run through it. So for bigger games, I say it's like the second or third time the deck's exhausted is when like, the end game's triggered. Um, but for a quick game where you've got like a quick skirmish battle, then it's just the first time the deck runs out that uh like triggers the end game it means like the, the next turn will be the last turn
0: what's a what's it like in terms of like bookkeeping and keeping track of wounds and things like that what's the sort of process there um yeah i,
1: I don't like it to be anything to be too complicated so i've tried to keep it fairly simple um, um and that's kind of where the dice come in like dice are really good wound markers and wound counters <laughs> i tend to use them for that um but essentially, when a unit takes damage, um, you, you track the wounds that it's taken. And if it takes wounds in excess of, of the toughness of one of its models, then you take off that model. You take off as many models until you've uh, matched the damage. So if like, you, you know, you've got a unit of infantry, you've got a toughness of three, and they take six damage, then you know, you're taking off two models. And then you wouldn't have to mark any wounds on the unit. But if they took like uh, seven damage, then you take off two models and mark one wound on the unit for next time they get hit. So.
0: Our question of the month for May 2024 is what rules have you created or adapted to improve your favourite gaming system? This might be a homebrew rule or something you've ported over from another game. The point is you tried it, it worked well and you kept on using it. Head on over to bedroombattlefields.com forward slash voicemail to submit your answer. That's bedroombattlefields.com forward slash voicemail. And now back to the show. were you quite um intentional about doing the removal of units because again when we go back to kings of war i know they've got a system of the the, the unit is on the table and it can be multi-based because mm-hmm. it's it's going to break yeah. or be killed and that's the only point where it's going to be removed
1: yeah I, I can see why they did that for kings of war it's it does keep things nicer and and quick, but I, I did kind of like the aesthetic of like, you've seeing a unit dwindle. You've seen them like getting, you know, beaten down by the, the attrition as they're taking damage. And so essentially the, the models kind of are wound markers in a way. So it seems it's, to me it made sense to just use that and use that aesthetic and yeah. You know, sometimes sometimes start off with a huge horde unit and then they've taken loads of damage and then you're just down to like a, you know, a few stragglers left. And I kind of like how that looks on the table as well.
0: So. How granular are you going in terms of a unit? Um, are are we looking at like rank and file and maybe a champion at the front or are all units or all models in the unit considered as equals no matter what the model is? Uh,
1: it's it's just, yeah, it's rank and file and champion. It's just a champion. That's the only, um, all, all models are equal, but you can buy champions for most units. So in which case one model counts as a champion who gives like a, a, a buff to the whole unit. Um, mm-hmm. And and here and it's kind he, of like this in the same way. Sorry, like,
0: can the champion be targeted to 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 take him or her out first when you're removing casualties? Uh,
1: no, the champion's always the always the last to to die. So you always mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. pay for a champion, you always get the benefit of that champion while that unit's still on the table.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Do the cards um, make their way onto the table, or are they kind of sitting with you at the? At the, at your side of the table and
1: um, it's it's kind of the player's choice for me i quite often like to put the cards on the table next to the units but you've also got um cards with the unit stats on or or an army list and you can just put the card put the um the action cards back with them like off this off at the side uh, to keep things a bit neater so it's it's kind of down to personal choice either way it works and uh sometimes it depends on the size of the cards and things but uh
0: did you approach the game with like a design ethos or was it more just a sense of working through and, and you know, thinking what felt cool and playtesting and stuff like that? Um,
1: I think I, I definitely did have, have an ethos. There was, there's things that, I'd, that I, I liked and things that I wanted to to avoid and one of the big things I wanted to have was just have it like a multiplayer so you could have a three player or four player game it wasn't limited to like just 1v1 or or teams of one side against another um so that was something that that was important and and the other thing is I wanted it to be like you know the game's not over until you're actually playing it you know I wanted it to be like so armies. You know, if you spend your points on an army it's going to be roughly equivalent to another army of, of that point you know that point level like there's not going to be um you know kind of traps for new players or something where it's like some units are um you know massively underperform for their points cost so I like, it to kind of be kind of be balanced and to be decided more by yeah, gameplay on the table rather than you know being won in the list building phase or or, mm-hmm. in the, or in the buying models phase, <laughs> for some. Yeah.
0: What was the what was it like doing all the playtesting? Because you, you've sort of been working on it for a number of years. So, um, in the early days of doing the playtesting, were there quite big things that would come up that you needed to overcome? Um, uh, or has the core yeah. of the game always kind of existed in the same the same form?
1: Um, that's a good question. I think the, the core's kind of always been there in, in the same form, in that it's been you're dealing out the action cards to your units um, but there were yeah big changes that have been made and um, I always wanted it to be quite quite simple and quite easy to uh, to pick up and, and play and didn't want a huge tome of, of a rule book so um, but I've definitely stripped that back a lot and made it a lot easier it made it a lot easier for people to just um, create their own armies because in the some of the older versions I had like a full like a second book or of how to design your, how to design your faction. Like there was points that you, you could buy to um, unlock different types of units. And, uh, um, you know, so your faction might have a speciality in kind of cavalry or something. And um, that's when I was still having, um, in the structure that a lot of games have where you have to have a certain amount of core troops there's well, like a core tax that you have to pay before you can get the more exciting ones and things like that. so i I had that in the early versions but i've kind of kind of done away with that now and just left it more more flexible and just uh hope the different types of unit uh you know are costed so that they're reasonably balanced but uh i mean you never really know till it gets out in the wild <laughs> like play testing it seemed okay but uh it's part of the fun of the game i guess trying to try to um,
0: solve it and find the optimal builds and things who would you say was the the, the main target audience for Warpack? it's
1: well yeah Originally, i thought it was like people who were um you know fed up with warhammer or got kind of burnt by the old world ending and wanted to you know carry on that that uh wargaming approach um but more i'm thinking it's it's, pro- it's maybe a younger audience as well it's maybe it's, it works well for um bringing kids in, into wargaming um like who've maybe not played before so that was what i, I noticed because i was going to a few of the conventions and, and just setting up and just running demo games and often it would be like the younger players who who seemed you know really excited or like the fantasy models and would get would get into it and uh, it's kind of seem to flow simply enough and not be too overwhelming for them that they would they would get into it and have a good time so i found it's and I've, i'm playing it with my uh, you know with my wee boy who's, who's nine we've played some war pack and i've played that with his, with his some of his friends and um yeah they seem to enjoy it so i think that more that's kind of what i've learned just from running it and just from running it out at conventions that it actually it's it's a great war game for for uh, younger players or newer players um as well as uh you know sold cynical veterans
0: <laughs> how long uh, does a game typically last then um
1: yeah again it depends on, on the size but like a, a quick skirmish game i think if you could probably get done in about an hour if you're uh, um know what you're doing maybe like an hour and a half if you, you know if it's playing out taking a bit a bit longer or someone's first game um but up to like if you're having a big 30 point battle then that's going to be like a, a whole afternoon i reckon to to play that out and yeah it can depend on the number of players as well the more players you add into the mix it uh, slows things down um adds a new element of that kind of meta game
0: what's the what's the state of play with its availability like how how would people get their hands on it going forward <laughs>
1: Yeah, well go going forward, that's what I've got to to work on next, because I've just um it was just putting this draft together and <laughs> to get to to yourself with and for my Patreon was like a, my last challenge. So at the moment uh, the only way to get it is to um back my, my Patreon for a Princely price of two pounds a month. If, if you're on the lower tier then it's it's already there so you'd get access to that and be able to um get the full version. Um But yeah, going forward, I want to make a kind of nicer looking and maybe a bit more user-friendly version, um, adding in more bits, examples and things, and then uh, get that out there still to be decided. ultimately, I'd like to kind of do a a kickstart when I've got um, a bit more artwork put together and things like that and um, get the availability out there. But uh, I would we'll try and get like a a bare bone version out to a few wargaming clubs first and things like that i think
0: have you done much in terms of world building um story worlds and stuff like that or are you leaving that up to the, the players to you know create their own story worlds and backgrounds
1: yeah that's that's a good question and I, my kind of preference is to leave it more up to the players um but that said, I have kind of in in my head, I've got a fair bit of of the story world. I, I had started typing up some of it. I'd, I've written up some of the the background for the um, the world that was going to accompany Warpark, or maybe it still will. Um, but that was in a, a slightly different iteration. That's when I had all these factions. That um, so I've still got all these storylines. There's different factions of like the Emerald Horde and the the Norse Dwarves and the. Uh, um, the seals and sylvan Fay and things in there, the the orphan werewolf folk so i've got i've got all these uh, the storylines in the world there somewhere but it's not uh it's not quite written up in a, in a version to share so um yeah that's still something for me to decide like whether i want to include all that or whether it, whether it's just about i like the players just creating their own world and then then um you know the characters that you bring to your army that you come up with that you create you know they have whatever significance you want in the world like they could be one of the main leaders or the head of a nation you're not uh, not kind of constrained by you know playing second fiddle to Franz or whoever else is out there so.
0: yeah i it's a it's a tricky one isn't it i mean i, I when i got the kings of war rule set and saw so that they'd Built their world in it, but I just couldn't get into it. Couldn't get into their lore. Um, I don't know what it was. A lot of folks say it's because they called the world Mantica, um, <laughs> and maybe put people off. But I just, I don't know. I just couldn't get, couldn't really play in that sandbox. I always found myself going back to the old Warhammer armies, and um, maybe it's just what you grow up with. I suppose. Uh, are you using? Mm. Are you using mainly Citadel miniatures? Do you use any other miniature range? Uh,
1: yeah, mainly Citadel, but no, I've used lots of other things as well. I've got like a, a human um, uh, Perry, um, the Perry miniatures from like the Civil War era and stuff. So I use them as a human faction, and I've got some uh, of the old um, Rackham uh werewolf models were really cool. So it's really nice to use them. I have like this werewolf faction and uh, and some I use some hordes and some war machine models as well thrown in. So it's that's the nice thing about it being mini agnostic. You can just, just bring whatever and add it into a faction, mix it all together. Um, yeah, that's the other cool bit that I like.
0: I know that I know that fantasy isn't a period, but how advanced um can the technology get in the game like um and it's kind of black powder to, can you get yeah, yeah machine black guns? Powder's been, <laughs>
1: <laughs> you can get uh kind of gatling guns a, a volley gun and that's the as advanced as it gets like the, the Giselle long rifle and stuff so it's like yeah black powder technology but pretty pretty basic up to kind of like muskets and things um the part of like building your army in war pack is you choose what technologies are available to them and stuff. So black powder is a choice that you can that you can take, and if you take that, then it yeah, unlocks access to these uh, advanced black powder weapons and engineering and stuff. So,
0: what would your um, big ambitions be for the game? Like, what would you really like to see happen in the, the future with it?
1: um Yeah, I just like I'd like to see it get picked up by lots of, of players and. Uh, gaming clubs and things people getting into it and uh you know ultimately it'd be great to be doing some like I mean, maybe not even tournaments but just like some uh, weekend events or things or some you know have like some ongoing storylines um i've got like a campaign system that i've been working on for 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 it as well like the pretenders campaign system so i'd get get out there and just uh yeah it'd just be cool to hear about whether like wargaming groups playing it and hearing like the, the stories of their campaigns and seeing what uh what happens, what what narratives come out of that. Um yeah, and like I said, I'd love to launch it on Kickstarter and uh, get it to get out to as many groups as, as possible and get it uh, get it played. It just always gives me a buzz when I hear like someone's played one of my games and they've you know had fun doing it. So
0: what are some of your favourite miniature games?
1: Um Yeah, well, I think like Warhammer is obviously like the the, the big one, and Advanced Hero Quest that I've always already mentioned, like they were the ones that I grew up with. And uh, um, it's mostly games workshop stuff, I guess, for the uh, miniatures games. Blood Bowl as well, I've always enjoyed Blood Bowl, played a fair bit of that. Um, Yeah, and and, uh, Space Hawk's a good uh, classic. uh, Board game,
0: survival uh, horror. I, yeah, I had that for the Commodore sixty four, yeah. Space Hulk. Um, I don't think it was very playable. Um, no, that, terrifying. That, <laughs> that, was, that was the case for lots of Commodore sixty four. Get. I look at back on it very nostalgically, but my wife once got me like a, a emulator console, and it was it was like the early eighties games on it, and I was like, I can't even play these. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're ruining my childhood. Um, But I do you do you do um do you get much painting done these days? Do you do a lot of painting with your miniatures?
1: Um, Yeah, I'm doing pretty pretty well these days. I've got like a a painting area set up, so and and I'm just um it's nice that i've got to a point where i'm just i can just paint what i want to paint now and stuff whereas i suppose sometimes when it was what it was the, the days of like you know going to the occasional tournament or things for warhammer I'd be like okay no, i need to get that unit done i've written this list so that's that's what i have to do and get that done and it was good to have that deadline but now it's it's a bit more chilled out so i'm just yeah working my way through lots of random models i'm just uh finished my big finishing off my big Conversion of like, um, thank Bone Ripper help it abomination thing that's kind of been built again over many years and just finally actually got it painted. So, yeah, do, do
0: you buy new Games Workshop models?
1: Um, I still do occasionally, especially because, like I said, my, my wee boy is I mean, he, he goes in, in and off it, but he'd got into Age of Sigma, uh recently, so I've been buying some stuff for him and then buying a few bits uh, for myself. I, I did like the new like Cruel Boys models that they came out with so I got the uh, the Dominion set just to get those models and because uh, and um, he likes the Stormcaster, so he's painted up all the Stormcasts and done all, all them so uh, um, yeah, I got it for the, for those guys. They're pretty cool. I've, I've only built and painted the boss and I need to build the rest of them but yeah, uh,
0: what do you think of the modern aesthetic of the Games Workshop stuff?
1: It's 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 been kind of trying to make your peace with, with the scale creep, I think. That's the thing that's just happened since since I started collecting, like the models have just got, got bigger and bigger pretty much. Um I'm starting out from I don't know whether it was, it was supposed to be twenty five mil when it started, but now it's like about thirty five mil or something for the for your your standard guys. Um and it's it, yeah it's it's weird for the age of sigma because a lot of, a lot of the models are quite like and quite like the concepts because it's all it's they've gone totally different with it and some of them some of them are really cool like the uh, the Cahedron overlord steampunk dwarf guys they've, they've got some cool models um but but at the same time i miss the the character of like the old, like metal models from the 80s and stuff and like they're all like just Goodwin, skaven and, and woodells and things they're the ones that i really like and still have in my army so um yeah i mean some of it some of it did, did get a bit too big and too like you know it's just like huge roided up orcs and things so that's partly why i kind of quite like the crew boy even though they're really tall models they've kind of gone bit back to like an older more of Lord of the Rings kind of aesthetic like a bit more rangy scraggly orcs instead of more looking like bodybuilders so um, yeah. <laughs> I quite like yeah I quite liked that and stuff. but uh, yeah wish they could have just stuck with that from the outset instead of yeah going through that whole making them the massive especially because they didn't really seem to make sense with the stats that they were giving orcs as well same with like 40k in fantasy where they were still you know you had these huge guys who are still only strength three. Why?
0: Yeah. hmm Aye. Yeah. They um so some of the some of the models they sell for Age of Sigmar I think they were they're just repurposed uh, Warhammer fantasy models. Like I've got yeah. some Marauders and some Chaos Warriors and they just they, they stick them on round bases now and sell them for Age of Sigmar. So a lot Yeah well, maybe not a lot of the stuff but some of the stuff is like as, as old Warhammer stock, isn't it?
1: Yeah, a lot of it is. A lot of the stuff that they kind of already had in plastic, I think, for Warhammer, I think that seemed to be what, what made the cut as to what survived the Age of Sigma to the other plastic kit for it. Yeah, then you can still get it. But... Uh, um,
0: what do you think yeah. would happen if I turned up to the shop with, like, loads of the monopose High Elves uh, from 4th edition? Just put them down. Do you think that'd be okay, or...? Yeah, want me I to, think so. That'd be, that'd be fun, actually. Get away with that. Yeah, totally.
1: Yeah. <laughs> as long as they, you know, they're painted all right. And It'd
0: be hard fun. to know who was who, though, because they're all the same. Yeah. <laughs> did you uh, Did you paint a few of the high elves in your day, those monopoles classics?
1: uh yeah i did although it was orcs and goblins for me so it's mostly <laughs> the goblins I'd not like uh, trade the hiles i'll give them someone else and just it was just the monopose <laughs> goblins and the spears and the bows like yeah hundreds of them <laughs> and then the gretchen
0: them. for 40k oh like, yeah, yeah a few of them
1: too yeah.
0: what are they, do you do you have any models these days that are super rare um in your in your collection um stuff you I, wouldn't part with.
1: Stuff I do have I have a ridiculously big collection of stuff, a lot of things that I wouldn't wouldn't part with, yeah. Uh I really got into collecting the trolls in like eighth edition. I was like trying to go back and try and get like pretty much every Warham well, every Games Workshop troll that they'd ever made and things. So I got most of them. So some of some of them I think I've got like one of the old blood ball ones who's really rare and really obscure and stuff. So he's pretty cool and yeah, I wouldn't really want to paint part with any of the uh, the old metal ones that I've painted. So
0: I had the troll yeah. for Blood Bowl. Uh, I had a box of Blood Bowl with that troll uh, where i a, a full painted uh, Chaos team, and my mum chucked them out, <sighs> put, them, I know. put them in the bin. Whole thing. <laughs> um, and she put my forty k box. I had Gasgull I think he, his name was. Oh He's yeah. Standard bearer. I had him. I had. Uh, had quite a lot of characters for back then. Um A lot of fancy wee space marines and stuff, that went in the bin too. She'd be thinking she's thrown out some, you know, snakes, <laughs> ladders, snakes and ladders, yeah. like, just chuck that out, chuck this out too. And yeah. Looking back, I'm like, mum, it's probably worth quite a lot look, of money.
1: <laughs> mum, look on eBay, these guys you threw out, see what they're going for. yeah.
0: <laughs> I've heard stories of um guys that 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 make it explicitly clear to their partners that look see if I see if I get killed in like a car crash this stuff is worth a lot of money like don't just uh, don't just ask somebody to come and like clear the room like uh, find somebody who knows what they're doing and make sure you get some money for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a fair point I guess
1: yeah yeah the the second hand market is, is is kind of crazy sometimes models are, are worth seem to go for very little and then sometimes you see them yeah being listed for for, yeah
0: crazy amounts and um, yeah on a, on a previous episode one of the things that come up was uh, it's worth knitting into your Oxfams your Sue Riders and stuff like that because you just don't know what might be in there like you know people like my mum maybe they, they don't throw stuff out maybe they go and just hand it in there and it sits it's like 50 pence for a, a very rare tome or Box of models or that?
1: Yeah, something like, like that. Yeah, you just never know. Or rogue Trader Army or something like that. That turns up, yeah.
0: So um where, uh, just getting things wrapped up, Joe, it's been a really good beach chat. Where uh, can the listeners, if they're interested in checking out Warpack, where could they go and do that and, and get involved?
1: Um Yeah, I mean, at the moment, the only the only place is, is to uh, follow my, my Patreon. I'm just uh, Joe Prince on, on Patreon. JoJ Prince on Patreon, and um, you can follow me on Twitter as well. Um, but for now, yeah, Patreon's the best place, and I'll, I'll keep updated with uh, news on there. Um, but uh, yeah, watch this space. I'm hoping to reach more people soon. Um, but it's, it's been great, it's been like a, a recent kind of flurry of activity just getting this done and kind of getting um, motivated again, getting back into it. So.
0: Thanks very much for listening to this episode of the Tabletop Miniature Hobby Podcast. For show notes, subscribe links and info about how to appear as a guest on a future episode, go to bedroombattlefields.com slash podcast.